is the all-new WMEX. WMEX Boston. Legacy Legal Live, hosted by Kendra O'Toole, Michelle Reed, and Elizabeth Caruso of Legacy Legal Planning, is a show about discussing your estate plans, options, and answering your questions. Call in at 781-834-9639 and start your lifelong partnership covered by benefits that you've earned through proper legacy planning. Now here's your hosts, Kendra, Michelle, and Elizabeth. Good evening. Thank you for joining us on Legacy Legal Live. I'm Kendra O'Toole. I'm Michelle Reed. And I am Elizabeth Caruso. And we are the attorneys from Legacy Legal Planning in Norwell, Massachusetts. Thank you for joining us this evening and choosing to listen to learn a little bit more about estate planning. And we look forward to being able to help you guys. We do want to say thank you to, we, we got a few calls this week of people that have called our office with some more questions about their own estate planning needs and wanting to learn some more based on the radio show and what they've listened to. So that's really exciting. We do encourage you to call with any questions during the show at 781-834-9639. And tonight, we last week, we had talked about the Legacy Journal that we are doing each week, a prompt. So I'm going to have Michelle talk a bit about that to start off. As Kendra mentioned, we are starting, um, it's going to be something that we're doing throughout the year. So every week, and we promised, uh, and look, we already remembered, we promised that we would share the journal prompt since it is on our social media. But if you are social media savvy, please follow us um, on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn if you have it at Legacy Legal Planning on all of those platforms. And every Tuesday, we are putting out a weekly journal prompt. And the point of that is to, you know, we do everything every day in the black and white, the legal documents, the legal jargon. And so we've got you all set up there, but that's only part of the story. So we want you to share some some fun stuff, some memorable stuff, some recipes, moments, memories with your family members. So we've got some fun prompts every single week. This week, in our prompt, we wanted you to share a time in your life when you got in big trouble. So get out your journal, write that story down, um, keep it PG, no. <laughs> and uh, we hope that you share that um, with, with your loved ones in your journal. And stay tuned for next week. Hopefully we'll remember at the top of the hour to, to give you the next week's prompt. I think one of my big trouble moments. Oh, you have never gotten in trouble in your life. Ugh. Liz, bye, bye. You know, we'll, we'll. In high school. I've spent my entire life in trouble. <laughs> in high school, it was when I had my license and, you know, I was the friend with the car and driving. And I said I was staying at my best friend's house. She said she was staying at our house. We thought, you know, our parents don't really connect that much that often. So we're like, this is great. They won't know. Well, whatever reason that night they connected and yep, it ended up being kind of a little search party, figuring out where we were and because we went out and about with some friends. So that was one of the times that I got in big trouble. <laughs> or you just said the plot of every teen movie I know, ever. <laughs> I know. That's that's my big trouble, though. Like you said, I wasn't a big troublemaker. So that's my big trouble. I mean, we are women of the law, so our big trouble stories are probably not going to be too, too crazy. <laughs> So this week, um, we wanted to talk to you all in Radioland about 
some of the people that we work with on a you know daily, weekly basis, and the people or the professions that make up our team members. So you know we obviously um, you know start off with you guys as clients, and you may bring some people to the table that you already work with. You might already have a financial planner or an accountant or um, in situations where there is um, some medical care for a loved one, maybe you're working with a geriatric care manager. If you're thinking about selling your home, you might already have a mover or a realtor or somebody who's you know organizing the self, your stuff and helping with cleanouts. And we wanted to talk a little bit about how we work with each of these professions and how they are so integral to our profession and our success in being able to, you know, give 100% to our clients and um, be able to do the best that we can as attorneys. So why don't we start off with what's probably the easiest uh, profession that we work with seamlessly is uh, financial planners. As you mentioned, the financial planners, some people have them already and they come to us and we get to meet them and build that relationship with them as well. And then sometimes we're also introducing clients to a financial planner if they need one. Um, and that relationship that we make really makes things a bit smoother for the client. There are different beneficiary forms or transferring assets into a trust or just confirming beneficiaries and it just makes it a lot easier because all these financial institutions have different forms different rules you can leave to numerous beneficiaries or just one you know it all depends on the different financial institutions so being able to work with these advisors really makes it a smoother process for the client and also ensures that we're achieving all the goals because we are just one leg of it all I couldn't agree more. So picture when you come to an estate planner, we need some information from you. A lot of that is personal and family, but a good chunk of that, of course, is financial. We're making sure we're protecting those assets that you've worked hard your whole life to build and save. So picture us asking you all of that information and you going through and either picking through statements or your, your online accounts and kind of listing and inventorying. We talk about an inventory quite a bit inventorying all of that information for us. So this is where your financial professional can come in and frankly do the work for you and, and they are often happy to do it. When we work with them with your permission and authorization, nothing is shared without you as the client um, without your authorization and we get that legally on both sides. There's there's compliance on their end and ethics on, on both sides. Um, but sometimes we can request something called a net worth statement and that sounds really fancy but it's really just a list documenting all of the assets that we're we're wanting to talk to you about to make sure that if your goal is to avoid probate or to pass it on to certain beneficiaries or to talk tax planning and things of that nature, they can give us essentially a one to two sheet inventory of all of your assets. And that makes things extraordinarily easy for all involved, but in particular you, because you don't have to go chasing down that information on your own. Um, and that helps us because we can say, okay, as Kendra mentioned, we have life insurance, we have retirement, we have investment, we have stocks. And sometimes folks will say, oh, I didn't even know that was there. For instance, you know, Liz had a client in the last week who, you know, oh, we have, we didn't realize we had that. So um, it, it's really helpful for us to get the full picture from them. And many times a lot of the financial planners or advisors, they also 
even though they might work on certain assets that you have, they usually have a full inventory of everything as well. They usually have a list of all your bank accounts and all your real estate properties. And so even though they might just be managing a couple of your assets, they usually do have that full picture of of your assets that you have in totality. And often when you work with a financial advisor, they want you to have your whole picture of your you know, estate and financial well-being taken care of. I know most of the financial advisors that I work with, the very first meeting with a client, they're asking, you know, do you have your estate plan completed? And if you don't, why not? And go do it. <laughs> yes. <same. laughs> so, I mean, I know that like the ones that we work with, they, you know, emphasize that, um, you know, your, your estate planning should be done and that we should be, you know, working together as a team to work for you. I mean, you can compare it to your doctor. You have your primary care. And so you have your financial advisor that's holding all your assets and taking care of your, your you know, wealth. But then you have your different focused doctors that might specialize in one area. And so you have your estate planner, you have your financial advisor, you have your CPA tax person. And so it really does come into play. And that's just something to kind of compare it to in something that you probably deal with all the time. Mm-hmm. So another person that we deal with often is, as Liz mentioned, an accountant. Um, there are different tax planning that you can do estate planning wise. There's different tax planning you can do on the financial side. And then the CPAs usually have a tax plan for you, not just for after death, but also during life. And so we want to be sure that we're working with them to ensure that a property is not being transferred that might be taxed in a, a certain way. And we just want to make sure that the assets that you have and the income or if something, the basis of different things is all set in place properly and that we're not throwing a wrench into the plan. Um, we really do believe that it's that holistic approach to ensure that we all can work together to create the best plan for you. Yeah, the biggest stumbling block that we often see um, when transferring assets into trusts is, is there a, you know, a disadvantaged tax issue with this transfer? Because when you transfer something into a trust, you are actually retitling it. And with some assets, that retitling can trigger capital gains taxes. So, you know, we, it's very important for us to work with accountants to be able to know, you know, what, what those issues are, what's going to trigger those capital gains taxes, you know, does it make sense? Um, does, you know, uh, you know, paying them now versus, you know, maybe doing it in a different year make more sense? Um, as you age, um, had a talking to your accountant about, um, your income tax issues and, you know, potentially where you're taking your assets from for your living expenses is a, an important conversation you can have too. Um, you know, a lot of people have retirement accounts, but also have savings and, you know, they have a, a, a myriad of different options of where to take money from to supplement their income once they stop working. And, you know, you want to make sure that you're talking to your tax professional to make sure that you're taking your supplemental income from the most advantageous place possible, both from your perspective, from your income tax perspective, and then also from the, you know, a wealth 
and, you know, legacy perspective as well. Like you're, you want to leave as little burden as possible to, you know, your next generation. So if taking what the money that you need from one account is going to have very little issues with you, but cause much bigger issues with your family down the line, it probably makes the most sense to drain that account first. Yeah, there are many situations where we say, sure, we can create this transfer, we can do this, but we are going to urge you very strongly to have that conversation with your tax professional first. Get the green light or at least get the information before we go ahead and do this because we can't unravel it necessarily once it's been done, but we can seek that advice. Wait just a smidge until we have the proper advice and we're looking at it from all angles and, and then creating that transfer. And just a couple of ways that we work with CPAs sort of in a, in a probably not so common way. Um, we have a lot of folks who prepare their own taxes yearly and are very proud of that fact. Um, so they don't have a professional that they seek advice regularly from. They're not on anyone's client list necessarily. But um, we do a lot of probate work in our office. Wink, wink, Liz. <laughs> um, and so oftentimes, if you find yourself as the trustee or personal representative for a loved one who's passed away, you might then be responsible for filing their final last income tax returns and trust income tax returns and estate income tax returns, which is probably not something that's well within your forte. So we often uh, work with CPAs and tax professionals in that um in that correlating to that as well. So it might be someone that you would you want an introduction to for maybe those those particular instances where you don't want to kind of tackle those necessarily yourself. Uh, and then also, if you're someone who does things on your own, down the line, if we have uh, capacity issues and we need someone to step in for us, they might not be tax savvy and they might be hiring a tax professional. So you might want to start working on on those relationships earlier than you might think or at least start uh, looking for one because oftentimes when you when you need to find one they're not taking any more clients which is wonderful for them but hard to find someone that that you jive with and a cpa is an accountant it's a hard profession right now that they're struggling with getting more people into that profession can't imagine why (laughs) (laughs) um and right along I, i was gonna go right down that route with the probate and whatnot but even before probate um a lot of times if somebody is private paying for long-term care, there are, depending on the income and the amount that's being paid for the medical and bills and whatnot, there are also different deductions that are just out of the ordinary that really you should use a CPA to determine how to get the best, um, hopefully, you know, refund in the long run, but to be sure that you are taking advantage of that when there are medical bills that exceed it is a calculation. I do not know it. I'm not going to act like I know it. We don't have that degree <laughs> yet. <laughs> but I just know that there is, you know, a, a deduction that that can come off and, you know, somehow help and be more tax beneficial. And so it's not just, oh, your estate planning. It really does go from life while you have income all the way to that estate planning to elder care and then afterlife. Yeah, and things can change too if we go from, you know, we're we're a working working lifetime, then we retire and we have different income and now we're taking um, distributions from retirement accounts. So things change pretty drastically in a small subset of years. So it, it can be helpful to at least uh, 
have have someone um, you know on your list to chat chat with. And they'll also a lot of them will do consulting too. It's not just someone that you have to sign off with. Sometimes you know for if if they're able to take it on, they can consult on certain issues, and it can be sort of a one off thing. But then at least you have experience with someone that um, you know. Hopefully, you had a positive experience with. Another profession that we often work with is insurance professionals, whether it's life insurance or long-term care. It all depends on what situation, you know, the person is in. Many times people get life insurance when they still have a mortgage on the home and and want to be sure that they are supplying with a second income for if something were to happen to one to their spouse. But then a lot of times as people age and those premiums get a bit higher, they might drop the life insurance once they're um, mortgage is paid off and they, they don't have to worry about that so much or they might get a smaller policy. And so we work with life insurance agents and long-term care in that regard to make sure that there is protection or if they no longer need it, you know, we sometimes have clients that just ask, oh, should I have this? And we refer them. You should talk to a professional that can run the numbers and look at the that stuff for you. Um, because as much as we advise of these are things that might be beneficial to you, we're not life insurance people to be able to show you that. We, um, we don't sell that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we know enough to say this might be something you want to look into depending on what stage they're at in life. And same with long-term care. If they have concerns of needing long-term care, that's something that we can also guide them to a professional um, if they were looking into a long-term care insurance policy. And then the third one that we often deal with is sometimes homeowner's insurance. We want to be sure that the home is still properly insured for if it goes into a trust and that everything's covered properly. And we also deal with these a lot if we're stepping in on someone's behalf and someone's now in a nursing home and if we're being appointed by the court, then these are also professionals that we're working with to get things in order for that person if they did not have a plan. Yeah, it's very important actually to make sure that your homeowner's insurance knows that you've put your house into a trust when you do put your house into a trust. Um, I, you've, If you've listened to the show at all, you know that it is our advice to put your real estate into a trust in Massachusetts because of the way that property is um, passed on through to generate to the next generation. Um, but the insurance company needs to know what entity they are actually insuring and who actually owns the house. Because I've seen issues where there have been claims made and then the you know you get a check in the mail for your your claim and the claim the check is made out to the wrong person and you can't actually you can't actually cash it so that obviously creates an issue uh one more insurance professional that we end up working with sometimes would be um medical insurance so you know we obviously deal with a lot of people who are over the age of 65. So, you know, you have Medicare as your primary insurance, but as a lot of you know, the, you know, Medicare doesn't cover everything. You end up wanting to have supplemental insurance and um, there are, you know, supplemental insurance brokers that we work with who can be very, very helpful in finding you the right supplemental insurance policy um, for you, for what your needs are, for what your coverage is. You know, sometimes people have coverage that carries on from their employment, um, you know, 
they have post-retiree coverage that might cover some things and not others. And then there's some that cover prescriptions and it's, it's extraordinarily confusing. I don't pretend to know anything about <laughs> Medicare supplement plans. All I know is that I have a great person that I can refer people to who, um, who, you know, it knows the ins and outs of all these plans and can help people save money where they need to. And if you're at that age that you need to apply for Medicare soon, um, then I would advise meeting with one of these professionals before you select. Because I have heard that there can sometimes be issues if you're trying to change things later. And so it is advised to get that advice before you sign up. Issues with medical insurance? (laughs) So... I just going to take a minute here again. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Legacy Legal Live. It's Kendra, Michelle, and Liz. We're from Legacy Legal Planning in Norwell. We are an estate planning firm and elder law. And so we help our clients have peace of mind for themselves and their loved ones. So we've been talking about professionals that we often work with when working with our clients. And another big one that we work with are realtors. We commonly are working with them if a client is downsizing downsizing or transitioning to an assisted living or maybe they're moving into an in-law that was built on a child's home and so we're working with the realtor to go through that process if the home's in the trust or not we're just going through the process to ensure that everything's done properly for that client we don't represent them on the real estate transaction side but how it turns into their actual estate plan if it'll be a segue for the next professionals yes (laughs) Yes. if it is you know in a trust we need to ensure that that money stays in the trust and just make sure that tax documents and everything are filled out properly for that as well yeah and for us the realtors are again an excellent middle person Um, you know they they have the experience and the knowledge with these types of transactions and and there's oftentimes issues that that arise so it is helpful instead of you know we have worked with family members and things of that nature but it, it does make the a difference in situations when we're working with a professional who um, you know can get things done quicker and just knows the industry knows what to do if an issue does arise um, they have professionals in in their book as well that you know that just expand on what we have so working with them uh, can certainly make all the difference. And one of the more common times that we're working with them is when a loved one has passed away and they own this home and now the trustee or the personal representative is trying to sell the home. And so we're either going through the court process if it wasn't in a trust and jumping through all those hoops that the court requires to be able to do that and working with the realtor to make sure we have everything for that court process or we are ensuring that it is going through the trust, it's being sold by the right trustees stepping in and doing it. And sometimes they're even sold with conservatorships if somebody has to be appointed and somebody might now be in a nursing home and their property needs to be sold to be able to continue to pay for their care or an assisted living. I think too, when when potential buyers hear, you know, probate, conservatorship, all the things, it can be very scary and people could be a little bit uh, anxious about making offers on those types of properties. But when you have an experienced realtor professional who can sort of guide them through and say, no, 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 I've been here before. This is the process. This is normal. We work with the attorney. We work with the other attorney. We work with all the millions of attorneys. Uh, so they can really, um, you know, make 
the difference in in the types of offers that you're receiving too, if, if that's that's where you're at, um, and and making sure that folks aren't scared away from that process, they can facilitate that too. And it's funny you mentioned other attorneys because <laughs> other attorneys all often uh, excuse me often make up other members of our team. So um, you've heard time and time again that we are an estate planning and elder law firm. We don't do anything else. Um, we don't do real estate law. So if we have, you know, people who are selling their home or we're, you know, we're helping um, a personal rep representative sell a home out of an estate, we're working with real estate attorneys who specialize in that area of the law. Or, um, and this is probably in my in my clients' cases, um, if we have um, a particularly uh, bad family situation where um, we foresee a long, drawn-out litigation process, um, we might bring on a person who is a professional litigator who works with um, not only the probate courts, but also like the civil and criminal courts who understand um, you know, the ins and outs of litigation cases that can go on and on and on forever and, you know, prep them for trial properly. Um, because we, that's just not something that we're taking on as a firm. Um, so, uh, those are two types of attorneys that we end up working with a lot. Um, I know I sometimes work with divorce attorneys because, um, when there's a divorce, all of a sudden you need new estate plans. And then um, oftentimes the divorce attorneys ask questions of us as to, you know, what what are the repercussions if we agree to X, Y, Z? What does that mean for this asset or that asset? Or um, especially when um, older adults get divorced and you have potential um, like Medicaid issues on the table and we want to make sure that you know everything all the bases are covered to make sure the client is protected so i've talked to many a divorce attorney about the estate planning process and one other attorney that i think we often work with is a business attorney if our client owns a business and they want to be sure that it's passed a certain way sometimes it's also the operating documents of the actual business that needs to also include certain language. Um, sometimes there's key man insurance, which is a special, you know, life insurance for a business owner. And so we work with these attorneys to ensure that we're able to pass the business along the right way as well. Or it might just be passing it over to the co-owner, whatever it might be, but just ensuring that those wishes are properly done in accordance with business law. And even sometimes personal injury attorneys, uh, if they receive a settlement and, and someone it needs to go into a particular type of trust, supplemental special needs trust, they, they typically don't draft those. They will uh, seek out other professionals who can who can handle that, that sort of thing. So we, we collaborate. We love other attorneys. Um, and it's wonderful to have those types of resources, too, for people that we've worked with, that we trust. Um, we know that we're, we're, if, we're, if we're making you, our client, a referral to them. We know that they're going to do you know, a good job and they're knowledgeable. So building those relationships and, and bringing those folks on your team um, you know, just, just make things a lot better for you. So I think that's a good spot to just throw out again real quick about our legacy journal that we're doing. 
Um, so in case you haven't, you weren't able to tune in at the very beginning, we are doing a weekly prompt that if you get a journal and write in it each week, we'll have a prompt for you to put down your legacy story for your loved ones. And this week's prompt was write about a time that you got in big trouble. And so it's a good time now to take our first break, our only break, (laughs) and you're listening to Legacy Legal Live, and we'll be back soon. Welcome back this Wednesday evening to Legacy Legal Live here on WMEX. We are Kendra O'Toole, Michelle Reed, and Elizabeth Caruso. We are talking to you tonight about the different types of professionals that we work with that can work for your benefit too. And we are so grateful that you have been tuning in with us every single week. And we encourage you to keep calling in with those questions. 781-834-9639. So we're talking about professionals this week that can, not, not only your estate planning attorney, but folks that we work with that you might already be working with that we love to collaborate with. And Kendra's got a special one that we're going to kick off the second half of our show with. So beyond the legal work that we do, we are sometimes working with a senior move manager or a home organizer. Um, Geriatric care manager kind of falls into this a little bit sometimes in regard to doing an assessment as to how safe a home is for a client, for an elderly person that may have trouble walking around their home um you know one common one that a lot of people don't really think of or realize is area rugs you know if if you have a a parent or a spouse that shuffles their feet and doesn't pick up their feet those area rugs can cause them to trip so there are geriatric care managers that will come out and assess your home and give you ideas of how to make your home safer And then senior move managers, if you're doing a move, will help pack and go through that process for you. Um, Or home organizers will help to just go one step further from the geriatric care managers of kind of here's the things you can do to make this a safer place. But they will then come in and actually organize and make the place safer for you. The senior move managers really focus on a stress-free relocation. So if you're moving to an assisted living or to downsizing to a smaller home, they'll go through your um, property with you and, you know, make sure that you're taking what you want, also what you have space for, and to ensure that, that you're still having your memories and the stuff you care about with you. Yeah, a lot of the senior move managers that I've worked with have um, like computer programs that can diagram out the yeah the space that you'll be moving into. So whether it's just downsizing to a smaller home or if you're going from a home to an apartment or an assisted living facility or something like that, um, they can take the actual specs of the new place put it into their program and then show you how um, they can lay out the furniture that you have um, to take, you know, pieces of your old home and bring it to your new home. Um, That can be especially helpful for making people feel comfortable in the new space that they're going to be moving into. Um, Another thing that um, a lot of the senior move managers that I I work with um, specialize in is making sure that they're taking pieces of um of your life and you know important sentimental things 
that can be prominent in the next, um, you know, the next spot that you're going to be living in. So if there's pictures of your family or if you're, you know, if you like to paint or if you like to quilt or if you like to, you know, crochet or whatever it is, you know, they're going to take, um, you know, those pieces of you or your loved one and make sure that those, um, those things are either honored or, you know, included in the next spot that they're going to be, um, you're going to be living in. And a lot of these, you know, either downsizing or moving into assisted living, you can bring your, um, you know, bring your own plates and cups and things like that. So they're going to make sure that your favorite tea mug still, you know, makes the move or, um, you know, the cookie jar that you got on vacation back in 1985, wherever you were. I, I just can't think of like National Lampoon's vacation and <laughs> going to Wally World or something like that. But it was probably a better experience than John Candy saying, hey, the park's closed. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to note too, with the senior move managers, they're, they're, you know, they have trainings and qualifications that's, it's very, very different from your traditional mover experience who they, they serve their purpose. They're wonderful. They're quick. They're efficient, a traditional mover, but they're frankly coming in and either helping you pack, but they're, they're not to Liz's point sitting there and going through the sort of, you know, how do we feel about this item and very gingerly walking you or your loved one through that process, because a lot of it is that emotional factor too. And this is kind of what they have their expertise in not only to just help you bubble wrap the things, but also to be okay with parting with them and, and figuring out what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. So that's a much more patient, potentially lengthened out process, but it's, it's, um, it's something that they, you know, they, they're much better equipped for than uh, your traditional movers, even though we still love them. <laughs> and senior move managers will also help you get rid of um, things that no longer are going to fit in the next space. So whether that is, you know, if there's furniture, you like, they'll help you consign furniture. Um, they might have a, you know, a sale of, um, of some of your items online with like an online auction, um, so that you can still get some value from things that, you know, may still be useful to other people, but not necessarily to you in the next space that you're going to be in. Um, if things don't have an actual monetary value, they're going to be able to help you donate them, um, to the next, stage in their in their viable life so if you have like lots of extra linens maybe they're going to the you know the animal shelter to keep some puppies warm at night or uh oh <laughs> or um they um i know a lot of um the move managers work with like the salvation army or savers or things like that to be able to um donate items for a good cause to the next stage. So at the end of the day, I think that they end up trying to have as little as actually possible to be junked um, because you want to make sure that, you know, you're getting the most out of what you can't take with you and then ensuring that you can kind of give back to the community with the rest. And by having that care and that move is really helping with just a smoother transition. When somebody has their you know, special items that they've had in life and they're now in that new place, it just makes that transition that much easier. When they're moving into a new location and nothing there seems familiar, that can also be 
physically and mentally a, a strain on the person. And so having these senior move managers can really make a difference with that transition for your loved one. And this can be especially true for people who have capacity issues. Um, like if you have a loved one who's going to be uh, moving into memory care or something like that, having familiar items available during their move is integral to their, you know, to their well-being of, you know, keeping calm and keeping centered and being able to, you know, trigger happy memories and, you know, maybe keep the status quo of their mental capacity. You know, if they see pictures of their family members everywhere, they're much more likely to be able to recall them and recall those memories more often um, than, you know, someone who is just has a blank wall. (laughs) So if your loved one, you know, did not have to move and this, some of this legwork was not done pre the passing away of a loved one, you may be dealing with the clean out of a home of 65 years worth of stuff. What my mother-in-law says that we have to look forward to. She, <laughs> that, that's her thing. Yep. She says, I'm not doing any of this. This is going to be your problem. <laughs> and that is so hard. We did it with my grandparents. They lived in their home for 67 years. And we had a company that does clean outs come in. It is a you know friend of ours. And I've worked with him professionally for other estate cleanouts as well but he came in and we had him go through it same thing he tries to donate as much as he can you know he doesn't just junk it all but at the same time a lot of it wasn't some stuff we needed but we also didn't know what was down there and so we were able to you know he he let us be there to see kind of as things were being brought out and we could say oh we'll keep that or you know and it allowed us to see the things in an easier way because we tried to start cleaning it out ourselves and we probably went about a month we go in for a couple hours you know every day and it was just overwhelming four weeks later we were like what have we done we felt like we took so much out of the house yet it looked like there was nothing taken out of the house and so working with a company that does a clean out and he also did an estate sale before the clean out. So, you know, the home was open for a day or two and he did an estate sale. So some things got sold there. Um, and someone like his company also, uh, we sometimes work with uh, clients who, you know, they don't have additional family members. So we're coming in. And sometimes, though it's rare, we're, we're coming into situations where a loved one has passed away and the condition of the home was not ideal. Um, you know, sometimes we have, you know, some very serious conditions with, you know, collecting and hoarding items. You know, it's a very real thing. And so um, companies like the one that you're referring to are, are, integral in that process too because sometimes we're dealing with some hazardous things and things of that nature so they they're key you mean the one where i was appointed by the court and had a family of raccoons living in the house (laughs) (laughs) i I had one that i had to wear like knee-high rain boots whenever i went in the house because it was a hoarder house and i was like i i don't know what i'm getting into here um but the you know sons did come they they didn't it was too overwhelming for them to step in, which is why I was appointed by the court. Um, but they came in and were able to at least, there were some things that they were like, we want to keep. And they were very good. The, you know, clean out company 
they put all that aside to ensure that they were there for them and then got rid of everything else. And I mean, even after they were like, I'm so glad you didn't do this, you know, and because you try to make the process easier for loved ones, but you, you can't, whether they're family or not, uh, if it's a hoarder home, or if it's stuff like that, you just can't handle that on your own. Yeah. And there's lots of trauma around, you know, surrounding that, obviously, that those situations arise to due to trauma and things of that nature. So there's, again, the emotional factor involved too. Sometimes it's very hard for family members to go in and maybe they're physically able to do it, but emotionally are unable. And that's when professionals who are respectful and understanding and, 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 and um, you know, they're very reasonable in, in terms of what, what they do and they always go above and beyond. There's, we've never, any of the professionals that we've worked with have just been, you know, through and through incredible business owners, professionals, and just, you know, they're, they're people, they're human and they realize that. So uh, we're, we're very honored to work with them. So another end of life that we're sometimes where we're talking about cleanouts and we often are sometimes working with the funeral home. Um, we might be working with the client in regard to, you know, either A, pre-planning, or we're working with the loved ones and they are either they have knowledge of where the person wanted to be or they don't. And sometimes that information, they might have given it to us, but not actually put it somewhere. So we sometimes are working with them to ensure that we're working with them to do pre-contracts, um, funeral needs contracts for long-term care. If someone's going in, we often sometimes make connections if there's not already one that they want to go to to be sure to prepay for a funeral if a loved one is getting on Medicaid to allow the family to not have that burden if there are funds for that. Yeah, and oftentimes um, I talk with my clients when creating their estate plan um, to do a document called a funeral directive, um, which if they have, I tell people that most of the time that is, this is not necessary. Like it can, it can be a simple conversation within a family, but if you have extraordinarily strong beliefs that you think have the possibility that are not going to be honored, um, uh, that, you know, we want to write things down to make sure that it is known to your family and that there is a specific person named to be in charge to carry out your final wishes. And that can be general or specific. I've written very, very specific um, funeral directives with this, you know, I want to have my mass at this church. I want these hymns sung. I want these prayers read. I want this particular funeral home to um, handle the wake. I want my, you know, bereavement luncheon to be at this restaurant. Um, I have written out very specific things as far as um, what the bereavement uh, situation might look like. I've basically party planned before <laughs> <laughs> for people who felt it was very important to have a celebration of life as opposed to a traditional like funeral mass. Um, and then I've also, you know, dealt with families who may have some type of non-traditional uh, compilation where, um, you know, they there might be a same-sex marriage where they think there might be family members who may not, um, you know, honor their partner or spouse's um, rights in a situation or, um, 
I've had people who, I know this is an issue recently that the, you know, the Catholic church just within the past, I don't know, 10 years or so has said that cremation is okay. So there are people who are on both sides of the fence of that issue. So if you feel very strongly one way or the other, you want to make sure that it's written down. So your honors are wished, your wishes are honored, honors are wished, whatever. It's a little <laughs> it works. We talk all day. And if, if you feel, oh, I don't need a directive, you know, that strong in that regard. People know what I want. You know, my family knows what I want. We do have a memorandum that isn't quite as strong as that directive, but it, it gives that guidance of, you know, I want to be cremated and this is where I want to be buried. But also what I like about our um, memorandum is it also gets into a little bit of who are specific people that you want to be aware that you passed away? If you belong to a book club or an organization, you want to be sure that these people hear and, and know that they're not just calling and saying, haven't seen Kendra for three months, you know? And so you want to be sure that they actually know that <laughs> that you are no longer around. And I'm sure they'd like to honor and be a part of the memorial service if there is one. And then it also gets into what you had as your career or your job or growing up, where you grew up, where you went to school. A lot of these things, it seems that, and this is why we're doing that legacy journal as well, because it seems like families don't always know where someone's career might have been or they might have made a shift and not didn't know that they worked for the telephone company for 50 years before they switched over to be a school bus driver. And so these are all things that someone might want in their obituary and and to be out there. So it's a way to not be so formal with the directive, but also have it still there for the loved ones. Just just derailing, but side note there as to why, you know, you brought up the idea of the of the journal because we we we've been reading obituaries and, and frankly this may be a, a cost effective situation as well. So when we won't speak to that because it's, you know, everything goes up. But we're there's a lot of obituaries that things are just not there as you're saying. So you want these stories and, and, and sometimes w one skip of a generation, I mean, everyone's so busy running around and all the things, there are questions that you might want to know and you forget to ask. And sometimes it's too late not to get really humdrum. But generationally, so much information can be lost. And so that's really the importance. So definitely follow along with our journal prompts. Oh, sorry, I derailed there a little bit. <laughs> Um, Kendra had mentioned um, at the top of uh, this segment that we were doing uh, of working with geriatric care managers, but I think it, you know, we can really expand, expand upon, you know, how those are so integral to our clients' lives and how they can really make our lives a lot easier. Um, not only do geriatric care managers come in and give assessments as to, you know, the safety of a home or, um, you know, some suggestions as to, you know, what their, what services might be available to, um, a loved one who's in the need, has care needs. Um, they might be able to, um, you know, arrange for these services and take the burden off of a spouse or another family member who's helping people out and, you know, really be, you know, the quarterback for lack of a better term for the care for a loved one. And, um, you know, arrange for, you know, in-home care or work with people like Council on Aging who may have, you know, transportation opportunities or um, Meals on Wheels or, 
you know, other, you know, service related opportunities that, um, seniors can take advantage of and, um, you know, really make life easier for everyone who's involved. Um, these direct care managers can also, um, make recommendations for what next steps might be. Um, if a home, if it's no longer safe for that person to be at home, if they're looking at, you know, senior living opportunities or, um, long-term care facilities or things like that, um, a geriatric care manager can help the process of, you know, finding the right one for your loved ones. Um, there are actually also services who literally specialize in, um, finding the right assisted living or nursing home for your loved one. I was just going to say that because you might not even, you might already know you don't need a geriatric care manager in regards to depending on what stage that your loved one is at. It might just be clear of we know it's not safe here anymore and we need to take that next step. And so there are companies out there that will do that legwork for you in giving you all the ins and outs of the different places, you know, their their ratings and whatnot to ensure that you're finding the best place for your loved one and these people um they definitely they know like the ins and outs of the assisted livings in the area so then they know which ones have you know bingo every month or which ones you know have a really active craft club or whatever it is that's important to you or your loved one and others that are more low key and, you know, don't have a whole lot of um, participation. Um, so whatever is the right fit for you or for your loved one, they're going to be able to, you know, specifically find uh, that fit. And I think why a lot of folks, this isn't sort of commonly known knowledge out there and because there's some pushback from, you know, we're, we're dealing with an aging loved one and we're worried about, you know, are funds going to last and where are we going to allocate funds and can we afford to spend money on these sorts of things? And what we implore is is essentially this stuff is going to have to get done at some point. And there is a cost to your your time and your your mental energy being able to focus that on your loved one and their situation instead of doing the runaround that these professionals are trained and ready to do. So in the end, it ultimately saves saves money, but also saves, you know, frankly, your mental health as well. So um, and a lot of them will work with um, within budgets and a lot of them are frankly worth their weight in gold uh, for a lot of situations, because when you come to them in a crisis situation, it, it's it, just like us, it's it can be that much worse. So working with these folks early as possible but they can do you know they, they can parse out a lot of the things that can cost a significant amount of money another professional that sometimes if we're not quite at the level of going to an assisted living or a nursing home could be that we sometimes work with is a medical equipment provider sometimes you just need new equipment in the home to make it a safer place for your loved ones whether that's a hospital bed or maybe you need the chair that goes up the stairs or you know there's different equipment out there that could help make it safer and allow your loved one to stay at home longer that's always the goal the goal for I think every client we speak to is keep me at home that's where people want to be and so working with these medical equipment companies just allows them to have a few more options to try to extend that stay at home a little bit longer 
And I know um, the some medical medical equipment companies that I have had clients work with. Some of the things they have are really cool. They have chairs now that will literally lift up your butt so you can stand up. So it looks like a regular recliner, but it has a lift in it where it just moves you. Sold. <laughs> My grandparents had that. It literally got gets you up to an almost complete standing position. Which can be so hard for, um, you know, someone who's having mobility issues or someone who has arthritis or something like that to be able to get up out of like a soft chair or something like that. that I mean, that can be an extraordinarily difficult process. It made a huge difference for my grandfather, especially with his feet would always slip. Even if he had sneakers on, you know, it was a wood floor and you would kind of slip. And so that took away that allowance of his feet to slip out from underneath him. In this technology, I mean, that might require two folks to lift him versus having this piece right. of technology where not only is that easy on, again, caregivers, but also on your own independence, too. You know, you don't. There's there's that factor there, too. So uh, sold those lifting chairs for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's little things like this that most people don't think about that there are professionals whose job it is to bring these to the front of your mind. So, you know, a geriatric care manager or a home medical equipment provider or a home care company is going to, you know, say, hey, maybe we should have this type of chair or, you know, adding a grab bar to this spot in the house right here is going to be very helpful because, you know, you're going X amount of feet without something that the, you know, the senior can grab onto or, you know, a shower chair situation or something like that. That's going to make it safer and easier for the person to still bathe independently. And that leads right into another group of professionals that we work with often is Council of Aging. Many times if you're not if you know you're not in a position to afford some of the stuff because it's it's not cheap, but there is many times most council of agents might have some type of medical equipment program where people have donated back walkers, the shower chairs, the shower bench. There's the bench that half of it is outside, so it's easier to get out of rather than somebody needing to step over the tub. Um, the, some, sometimes even the, not the mattress, but like the bed frame for a hospital bed. The Council of Aging sometimes has these for the, member, for the community. And also a lot of times they have a list of handymen that'll come in and put in those grab bars and you know, make sure that your place is safe and do some of this handiwork that might put in a railing if you don't have a railing at your at your door as you go in and out. Um, or if you need a little step to, I know my grandparents step under their house from their porch was probably like six, four or five inches and it's big to step up that so they could make another little stair to make that shorter. So there's a place that you can start is just with your local council of aging if your finances might be a little bit tight to get some of these things that could really make a difference. And the Council on Aging in your respective town is a wealth of resources for so many things for seniors. Um, and, you know, seniors of really of all ages, like from just after retirement all the way through, you know, you know like true elder years, because they have so many different opportunities. Like there might be that some have some have clubs. Some have choirs. Some organize, you know, trips. Um, I know that I keep in touch with the uh, Council on Aging in my town just to see, you know, what volunteer opportunities there might be and things like that. I got two emails today. 
One is um, they're doing a trip to Twin River. <laughs> Sign her up. <laughs> and the other one is that they're doing a trip into Boston to go see a matinee for uh, a Broadway show. And, you know, these are things where, you know, for uh, a group rate, you're paying for the the transportation and you usually get food, you get the tickets, you, you know, it's all provided for you. And, you know, there you don't have to go alone to these things. Um, I know a lot of Council on Aging's have um, various meetups for people who, you know, have lost loved ones, um, maybe lost a pet. Sometimes they come in and have pets come for comfort which I, you can't put a dollar on figure on giving some snugs to a doggy or a kitty so <laughs> um they are a wealth of resources um they usually have veterans agents they have um you know people who can specialize in helping you figure out like if finances are tight like kendra was saying you know, what resources are available, like Meals on Wheels or home heating supplements, things like that, you know, start with these people because they're, that's what they are there for in your respective town. And, you know, they, they know the ins and outs of making sure that you're getting the most that you can. Yeah, and oftentimes they'll have folks like us put on some educational events and give you opportunity to ask questions as well. So uh, again, as can't can't emphasize enough a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of opportunity so we've talked a lot about the different professionals that we often come into contact with and work with on behalf of our clients and so we hope that this has helped you to kind of maybe see the path whether it's for you or a loved one as to the different professionals that you might need at some point um, currently or in the future to help things be a little bit easier. And as we mentioned, just to throw it in one more time, we are doing our legacy journal prompt where you can, we want you to leave your story for your loved ones. This is your legacy. It's not just about money or assets. So many people think that estate planning is just about that. And we really want to show you that your legacy is also your story. What you've done or memories of your family or what you've done for the community and and just leave this story and these memories for your loved ones to be able to get a glimpse and remember you um, in the in the future as well. So this week's prompt, it's a fun one, right about a time that you got in big trouble. <laughs> we thank you again for joining us this Wednesday evening on Legacy Legal Live. We hope that you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, again, at Legacy Legal Planning. We ask that you please reach out to our office and ask us any questions. Um, schedule a 15-minute call. When you when you call, you'll get our receptionist, and they'll be more than happy to set up a phone call with you to answer those questions. Our phone number is 781-971-5900, or you can go on our website, LegacyLegalPlanning.com, and there's also a contact us page there if you want to send over an email. So please reach out, ask your questions. We want you to have peace of mind and move forward with a plan that will help you and your loved ones. Thank you for listening to Legacy Legal Live.
The content presented in this radio show, hosted by the Attorneys of Legacy Legal Planning, LLC, is intended for educational purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice, and listeners are strongly advised not to rely on the information provided for specific legal decisions. Legacy Legal Planning, LLC, and its attorneys are not responsible for any actions taken based on the content of this show. For personalized legal advice, listeners are encouraged to consult with a duly licensed attorney in their respective state.